Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. Sometimes wild weather across the world leads to results that no one really anticipates. From the musical-themed tropical depression that is taking the Atlantic by storm, to vibrations on one side of the planet leading to some strange results in the others. Plus, we find out how a collaboration between the Navy and research institutions helps us find even more Great Barrier Reef. As an Australian, one of the things that we're most proud of in our country is our rich landscape's natural beauty. Things from Uluru, the great structures, landscapes, harsh deserts of, and, and rainforests of Kakadu, as well as the beautiful Great Barrier Reef. And a lot of recent headlines have been about how the reef is bleaching and disappearing over time and the threat posed to the reef by climate change. But researchers from James Cook University in Townsville, University of Sydney and Queensland University of Technology have been studying the Great Barrier Reef in a bit of a different way and using data gathered by the Royal Australian Navy. They've made an interesting discovery about our reef. In fact, our reef is not shrinking at all, but there is another whole other reef hiding behind it. So, the Royal Australian Navy has been scanning the seafloor, obviously, around Australia's coastline for good reason. That's kind of how they work. And doing that, they've been using LIDAR, which is basically laser type of radar. And the LIDAR-equipped aircraft have been revealing great fields of unusual donut-shaped mounds, roughly about 200 to 300 metres across, and up to about 10 metres deep at the centre. Now, scientists have known about these geological structures in the northern part of the Great Bay Reef since about the 70s and 80s, says James Cook University's researcher Dr Robin Beam. But as you go deeper down, it's quite unusual to see such large coral formations as tied from the normal shallow coral formations that we thought of think of when we think about the Great Barrier Reef. Now, these fields of circular-shaped donut rings are actually Halometer bioherms, a large reef-like geological structure formed by the growth of the Halometer coral. Uh, it's a common green algae composed of living calcified segments, you know, basically a certain type of coral. Now, these form small limestone flakes when they die. And so they look like pretty much cornflakes when they die and they sort of flake away. But over time, these flakes sort of build up into these huge reef-like mounds, which we call bioherms. And the extent of this is huge. We've now mapped over about 6,000 square kilometres. That's about three times the previously estimated size, spanning all the way from Torres Strait to just north of Port Douglas, says Marty McNeil from Queensland University of Technology. Now, this doesn't mean that the Great Barrier Reef is safe from climate change. Quite the contrary. Now there's an even bigger segment out there, and Halameda and other types of bioherms are really, really impacted by rising ocean temperatures due to the way that their calcification process works. But they also give us an interesting thing to study. Because these 10 to 20 metre thick segments of bioherms that are huge in size can actually be used to study the change in climate over about a 10,000 year time scale. And this is actually really interesting. Now, this means we need to get down there with some more submersive or autonomous underwater vehicles to start studying these deep sea reefs. 
but it's really quite fascinating to think that a collaboration between the Navy and research institutions have revealed even more to the reef than meets the eye. When you try and imagine something still, quiet, you often think of maybe an isolated rock formation, a mountain, maybe just a rock on its own, as the perfect image of stillness. But the reality is that the earth is actually humming all the time. What is beneath our feet is all interconnected into a whole bunch of very active, mobile and vibrating structures. This is why we have things such as earthquakes and a bunch of other geological, interesting and fascinating formations. But typically, these vibrations are way too faint or low frequency for our ears to hear. And when they do erupt into something we can hear, that's often in the form of a devastating, powerful vibration such as a volcanic eruption or an earthquake. Now, seismometers is the instruments we actually use to study these vibrations from the Earth at the low level and then the really high level when we, we're obviously more able to detect it. And researchers in Japan have deployed a vast array of seismometers. And they were able to show that their array of seismometers, which they have to study earthquakes in Japan, which is for Japan living on the Ring of Fire, a very large concern. They actually detected the vibrations caused not by an earthquake in Japan or the region, but by a weather bomb all the way over on the coast of Greenland, pretty much the opposite side of the planet. Now, this is really, really fascinating. So, in Japan, they've got this big array of sensors deployed to try and study and pick up any vibration that occurs so they can help earlier detect earthquakes and understand the Earth's behaviour. But they picked up a really unusual set of vibration. Now, typically, there's this big background noise of just this low-level vibration. Uh, you know, typically, the Earth just humming along at about 10 seconds per vibration. Most low-level energy, and the vibrations last less than a second to about half a minute each. Now, sometimes, um, these source of this background noise, so to speak, is just ocean waves, really, really weak earthquakes deeper than the Earth, or just the planet creaking from the forces exerted by the Moon in the creation of the tides. But researchers Kiwamu Nishida and Ryota Tagaki have analysed the Earth's hum on a particular date range, basically between the 9th and 11th of December in 2014. And they picked up that it wasn't just the general sort of background humming of the Earth. And it wasn't an earthquake, because it was way too small to be that as well. It was somewhere kind of in the middle, and it was very, very unusual. Now, they actually could, by studying the pattern in the array, they could figure out which direction it was coming from and how far these vibrations travelled. If you want to think about it this way, if you had a big, long sheet of metal, and then you sort of tapped one end, and then you could track the vibration as the metal slowly wobbles all the way across to the other end. 
And much in the same way, they were looking at that and able to track back the vibration to the source. And what was really fascinating is that they tracked them all the way back, all the way across the world, to the southeast coast of Greenland, far in the northern Atlantic Ocean. In fact, there's a really, during that date range, a tremendous storm. And that storm was causing huge waves. And those waves were smashing into the coast of Greenland on the sloping sea floor as it sort of ramps up from the Atlantic Ocean. And these waves were really, really violent because at that time there was a really low-level low pressure system sitting over there. And it creates what's called basically a weather bomb where just all of a sudden this huge and intense storm just develops. And what happened due to this pressure differential as well is that the waves on the surface and the smashing on the rocks and the transferring down to the sea floor ended up with this weird vibration pattern in the bedrock itself. And this vibration, you know, all traveled all the way across the world as part of the normal background time and all the way over to this sensor array in Japan. Now, it's important to note, this wasn't an earthquake. And so this, these sensors, this storm in Greenland did not cause an earthquake in Japan, but it caused an unusual set of vibrations, which they did pick up. And it shows how the planet, the Earth's surface, is interconnected and how vibration in one part can affect the rest of the planet. And the, one of the reasons why you could tell that it wasn't an earthquake, because it's pretty clear, is that it extended pretty continuously for a period of three days, whereas an earthquakes typically tend to be big spiky jolts as the build-up and build-up and build-up of energy occurs and then is suddenly released, much as we saw to great damage and effect in Italy recently. But now knowing what this kind of storm and vibrations look like, we can now start to study them and try and pick them up on other locations and use this data. This is now we know what this signal of these kind of sea wave vibrations look like. We can now try and pick them up and identify them out of that background noise. So instead of just assuming all that, all that general vibrations we were seeing meant nothing, we can now actually isolate them and study them in more detail, which can actually help us figure out a lot about the internal structure of the planet, which is also very useful to help understand why some earthquakes occur in some areas and why some do not. tale as old as time, and that is where there's a large weather event, we tend to anthropomorphize it and give it a name. This helps in the reporting of the news, but it also means that people can sort of build an association with it. And no better example than that has occurred than the recently named Tropical Storm Gaston that is sitting in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. And if you're a Disney fan, you'll recognize the name Gaston. And it is earning a lot of fame, or infamy, on the internet at the moment. Because, as some people, such as Twitter user Bastard Keith points out, no one storms like Gaston, makes cloud forms like Gaston, disrupts meteorological norms like Gaston. And this is obviously a reference to the Disney movie Beauty and the Beast, where there's a villain character by the name of Gaston, who has a very, very entertaining song in that format. But all jokes aside, 
Gaston is a very, very interesting storm. Because it's just sitting in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. That's nice. That That's fine as long as it stays there. But the sad reality is that storms often move. Now, it's not near any land masses. And it hasn't actually gotten up to a hurricane status yet. It's about a... Th- 16, 1700 kilometers east of Bermuda. It's very slowly moving northwest. Now, however, due to its, you know, really slow moving nature, it actually gives us a really good opportunity to study it. And that's where NASA comes in. They've aimed two of the most powerful satellites squarely at Gaston to see and track its progress, to make sure it doesn't develop back into a hurricane uh, and become a more dangerous storm. They're using two, the NASA AIRS instrument on the Aqua satellite, as well as the other satellite, Sumomi NPP. And both of these are using visible infrared imaging, radiometers, a number of other instruments to try and diagnose and track this storm. Now, it's not actually the first tropical storm Gaston. We actually had, back in 2004, Hurricane Gaston which is a really a moderate, really minimal hurricane that made landfall in South Carolina in about August 29, 2004. It sort of then passed through the rest of the East Coast of America, North Carolina, and Virginia before just basically dissipating. It only caused about $130 million worth of damage, and it was only about 75 miles per hour at its max speed. And that's actually quite minimal for a hurricane, which can be much, much, much more devastating. But that was... 12 years ago, and the reality is there's not that many names for the National Atmospheric Agency to actually come up with, so it's back again, so to speak. This one as well isn't looking actually that dangerous still, but that doesn't mean we can't leave it alone. We have to keep close tabs on it, track it, and therefore help those who may be in its path prepare and avoid any damage. This has been the Young Scientist of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. Keeping tabs on Tropical Storm Gaston, plus vibrations in Greenland being picked up in Japan, as well as finding even more of the Great Barrier Reef beneath the waves. Our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.